Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. We're now in our series called Journey of the Redeemed. It's a study in the book of Luke, and as we explore the life of Jesus, we also examine our own journeys shaped by him. So I have talked to you before about how I like podcasts. I like to learn a lot through podcasts. And I don't know if you've seen NPR's Code Switch. They talk about different racial and cultural conversations through everything from politics to pop culture to food. And there was a particular NPR editor, and I follow her on Instagram. She's both a cartoonist, which is how I think I started following her, and she's the science editor for NPR. And her name is Malaka Garib. And she was guest hosting an episode, and so this caught my attention. Also, the title caught my attention. And so, um, Malika is the daughter of Filipino and Egyptian immigrants, and she was sharing a Filipino cultural value called Utang Na Laob. Utang Na Laob. I'm going to say this a few times today. So this literally means there's the debt of your soul. Heavy, heavy, right? So she basically says, this is the idea of feeling like you need to pay someone back for something. And it could be something like if a family member loans you some money and you were struggling and you needed help and you had this debt back to them, you wanted to repay them. But sometimes, she said, there's these things where you can't really repay. Like she said, there's this feeling, this sense in the culture, that if your parents, you know, if they brought you into the world and the, in this, this culture, they feel like, well, now I owe them. I need to care for them. I need to do something in order to somehow repay. But there's no equal footing, right? There's no way to repay your parents exactly for what is going on. And so she said, there's never, ever going to be a point where you feel like you've squared up. So this soul debt that just feels heavy on you, she said. So at times, there's good and there's bad part of this cultural value of yutang na laob. So the negative can be if a member of an older generation would say, there was a father she shared about in this story, where she said that the father was not in this daughter's life. But she became an adult, and he asked for financial help. And he expected her to repay this debt because he helped create her. Even though he wasn't in her life, he kind of leaned in on this cultural value to see if she would contribute financially to his life. But there's a positive side. The, the spirit of it actually is about being interconnected. And Professor E.J. David described it as this. It's not the payment that matters. It's acknowledging that you are indebted to somebody. Utang na laob is a sense of connection and responsibility to other people. Understanding that as successful as I might be, I did not get here by myself. I think that's important for many of us to understand. So he went on to say that how he enjoys seeing the Filipino community in the United States he said there's a connectedness there that he doesn't always see everywhere. And that is important. 
that struck me as very powerful because, you know, there is a value we've probably all experienced in our country of being like self-made, right? Like, I'm doing it. I am doing it on my own. I have pulled myself up from my bootstraps. You know, we've all seen how that plays out. But no one, none of us, is here because of what we alone have done. There's someone else who's paved the way for us. And that interconnectedness that we all live in community, it's a biblical thing. God as a being, three parts, God, the Father, Jesus, the Spirit, an interconnected God created us and created us in community. And so in that spirit, we're going to read in Luke 17 a story today. And it's this idea of what do you do? Do you acknowledge the debt of kindness that other people have given you? Do you show gratitude or do you walk away? We're in our journey of the redeemed and today we're in Luke 17 and we're going to meet some people who received healing from Jesus. I'm just going to read verse 11 to begin. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Let's look on a map. So we have this region, and there's some red lines there that I kind of approximated. This region is known as Samaria, and the people who lived there were those who were partially Jewish descent, but they had intermingled and married with Gentiles, and so there was kind of a separate group among the rest of the Jewish people. Because, as you might imagine, there were some Jewish people who thought, well, they're not Jewish enough. And so they are separate from us. They're not pure. They're not the ones that we are. You know, you can feel that. You've seen this happen in cultures. And so here in this region, the top red line is where Jesus would have been somewhere along there. Because you can see the Sea of Galilee. So that's the Galilee region and Samaria. So it just says somewhere Jesus is on the border here. So he has been up teaching in the region of Galilee. And he's headed down to Jerusalem, which you can see there on the map. The thing is, some people were so bothered by the Samaritan area, they just didn't even want to have anything to do with them, that they would head east, they would go across the Jordan River, head south in the land that was just Jewish, and then cross back in if they were trying to get to Jerusalem. They would just go way out of their way. But Jesus, he's he's just going right on through. Now, you'll recall that that Jesus... He's headed to Jerusalem because this was his journey knowing he was headed to the cross. We discussed that when we led up to Easter. But that was where, what was on his mind at this point in time, headed south. Let's continue in verse 12. As he was going into a village, so he's not yet going in, he's not yet, he's on the border here. Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, Have pity on us. When he saw them, Jesus said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. So these men are living somewhere out, outside. It's not in a village. It's not within town. It's just kind of in this hazy borderlands region. And this idea was that they had some sort of skin disease that was so contagious that they had to remain distant from other people so as not to spread it. We got a taste of that in our lives with COVID, right? But Leviticus, 
it goes into some detail here. If you would like, if you're really interested in this, Leviticus 13, you can read all about rashes, hairs, colors of skin. I'm not going to go into that today. That's, that's not my thing. But you can read all the oozing details there. But what I will tell you is that there was isolation, right? Because if you had to stay away from everyone, that's why these guys were just out out of their village, not in their homes, not next to their loved ones. They were isolated. Leviticus 13, 45 through 46 says, Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes. Let their hair be unkempt. Cover the lower part of their face and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. And they must live alone and must live outside the camp. That was how the Jewish society was set up. Like until they could figure out how to heal, they didn't want to spread the disease. That's very lonely. And I can imagine that this area, maybe how these ten guys came to be living in community together, is probably they found each other, right? They're probably not all from the same village. And they probably just kind of heard the rumor, like, well, if you head in that area, there might be some other people dealing with this too. So then they weren't so alone. But here, when they saw Jesus, they're not up close to him, right? They had to cry out because they were still supposed to stay distant from other people. So when Jesus saw them, he sends them to the priest. And and here's the scoop on that. So priests, that was a hereditary office, so you received that if your family was in the line of priesthood. Um, Jesus's cousin John He was born to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah was a priest. And there were priests in all the different towns. And then they would receive an assignment. And a couple times a year, they would go into Jerusalem. They would serve at the temple and then come back home. But for this kind of disease, if you were healed and you wanted to get back into society, you had to go to show yourself to the priest. You didn't have to travel all the way down to Jerusalem, which is nice and convenient. Your local priest will do. And so Jesus sent them to the priests. That means they could head home, wherever home was for them, and they could go be reunited with their community, with their family, with their friends. And so here the priest would declare them clean, and they could worship again. They could work again and be around people. Now let's consider. You read a story and you think, that's a story in the Bible. Sometimes we just kind of skim through it. But I like to like sit what were they really feeling? I mean, besides being away from home, they were just kind of in the in-between. What life once was. How did they used to identify themselves? Maybe they identified themselves with their career, with their skills. Maybe they had always identified themselves as someone's spouse or parent or grandparent. But now they were identified We don't know their names. We know them by this disease. They were identified by now how this had defiled them and made them probably appear different. They were not known by their identity any longer. And certainly, we know people on the outskirts of community. I have to say, I kept thinking about this not living at home. And and if you live in the city you probably start to know some faces. And maybe you see them standing on corners. There's a guy that I know that I take a walk and I see him in Eden Park. 
and he seems to carry a lot of his stuff with him. And I kind of think he probably sleeps in the park at certain seasons. And I have to say that I have been here 15 years living in this area, 16 years. I don't know his name. That's really sad. I know his face. I recognize him. I don't know his name. I just know he's on the outskirts. We might also know people by their health condition. Now, I have a friend. She doesn't know I'm mentioning her. She's been joining our Echo service from Indiana. Hi, Kelly. And she has two kids. She has a 17-year-old daughter named Brooklyn. She has a 12-year-old son named Boston. And each of them has a syndrome, Rett syndrome, and her son has Down syndrome. And they manifest in ways where they can't always communicate verbally or physically, might be in a wheelchair. And I know through conversations with Kelly over the years and posts that she has very honestly shared on social media, how it breaks her heart. Because she knows she can watch people's faces, see her children. And they register first their physical condition before they get to know them. And I'm sure some of us here have felt that personally. Or maybe you've seen that in a loved one and you have that fierce protection where it's heartbreaking to know that people will judge based on outward and maybe, that, maybe they put up space and distance and don't get to know the person, their personality, their dreams, their abilities. That's what these ten men were facing. They were now judged. They were now visibly affected. And people might not have gotten to know their names, their talents, their abilities. They just see their limitations. Let's finish the encounter. Remember, as the ten men were leaving, it says that's when they were healed. We can imagine, can imagine some movie special effects. Did it like dissolve? Did suddenly it all happen at once? How quickly did they notice that they were healed? What did they say to one another? We're left to fill in that blank. But here's what we do know. Verse 15 says, one of them, one of the ten, When he saw he was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So we noted, now we know for sure, we knew they were on the border of Samaria and Galilee, but now we know for sure that there were some Jewish people among them and that there was at least one Samaritan man among this ten. And so we know that they ignored, they didn't worry about the cultural differences. They were living together because they all shared this same affliction and they made their own community. And Jesus, he points out that this man was a Samaritan, not because he didn't love him as a person, but I think he was just expecting more from the Jewish people he had healed too. Because he was a Jewish rabbi, healing in God's name, healing God's people, and God's people were taught about love and gratitude. There's psalm after psalm that these Jewish men would have learned 
that talk about praising God, giving thanks, honoring the one who creates and heals. And even if they didn't believe that Jesus was God, certainly this was a Jewish rabbi who brought forth a healing in their lives. And there would be a difference. Because I'm not saying that these men were not grateful in their hearts. Maybe they were just so excited to see their family. And there's times when that happens in our lives where just, you're just so excited by the freedom. But there was something different and special that this one man could express gratitude. It's a beautiful picture. You can imagine that being def- healed of this like defiling disease, that's kind of like that there's a soul debt, right? Like we talked about from the Filipino community. Utang na laob. Definitely someone healing and giving you new life and restoration would be something you'd want to repay. So the one man, all he can think to do is just to go show gratitude at Jesus' feet. And Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Well, they were all physically healed, but these words indicate that there was now a connectedness, that this one man has connected to the full mercy of God, that he has drawn close to the God of the universe, and his faith has made him well. Now let's look at that wellness. So we said they were on the outskirts. They were far apart. But healing and gratitude brought them close. And I would just say that there's just something about expressing this gratitude that made a difference to this man's life. As we said, we don't function in life alone. And expressing gratitude It brings something to us as much as it does to honor the people in our lives. We talked last week. We read through the first verses of chapter 17 of the book of Luke. And it talked all about humility. And truly, when you express gratitude, that's kind of a humbling thing, right? Because you're you're indicating that someone else has done something for you and you receive it humbly. And now, that is the faith that makes us well. Steve and I have a friend, and he's of Filipino heritage. His name is Marvin Abrinica. He is one of the co-owners of Esoteric Brewing up the street here, right here on East McMillan. We met him last year because he started a running group on Wednesday nights. You might see some familiar faces. Got an arrow at Marvin there. And so Wednesdays at 6 p.m., anybody want to join us? Come run or walk together. I asked Marvin if he had listened to this Code Switch podcast episode since it was about a Filipino value, and he said yes. And he actually got him in conversation with his parents. And he said his father grew up in a poor farming community in the Philippines. And he actually got to go there a few years back and see. And his dad and his uncle were like the first people to ever leave the village, really. And he said he just started to think about the different things he was grateful for. And Marvin wouldn't be in the U.S., he wouldn't be owning his own business, he wouldn't have met his wife and had his kids if his parents hadn't made the sacrifice and all the hard work and what it took to come to America for these opportunities. But it's not something he could repay them for either. So Marvin said for him, 
he has learned utang na laob growing up. And he said for him now, he said the way he lives it out, it's kind of the way we would know of as paying it forward. He's like, I cannot repay all the people who got me to where I am today. He's like, but I can, I can, give, it a, I can give it away to someone else. Right now he has two teenage daughters, and he can provide opportunities for their lives. But he also does so right here in Wana Hills. There's choices that Marvin and the co-owners, Brian and Patrick, make in order to give back to the community through their business. They try to hold events. They try to draw people together. And Marvin said the reason that he made this running group, he's like, I wanted to get to know people. I wanted to have people keep me accountable to run. But he's like, I just want to make a space where people are seen and known. And I've watched it happen. There's people who are new to the group. And over this past year, I've watched different people make deeper friendships. I've gotten to know my neighbors in ways I haven't before. Marvin was making space because he was honoring the way his family made space. But he's also honoring the faith that he has. So as we examine scripture every week, we read about the life of Jesus and we, we say, how does it apply to us? How do we live as the redeemed people of Jesus? It's pretty easy to figure out this week. Express our gratitude. It's not just, it's not enough to just think of it, but we're honoring other people and we're serving others by expressing. Let people know that what they've done for you is seen and known and appreciated. And maybe, maybe you approach expressing gratitude like Marvin does, and you're paying it forward, and you're making ways for the next generation, or you're reaching out to your community. Maybe you can just do simple, like, time-tested thank you cards. Such a lost art, right? Get something in the mail that's not a bill, that's pretty nice. Maybe you do that. Maybe you take time before meals, and I don't know, I always do it at Thanksgiving, but it doesn't have to be just at a holiday to just be grateful and and to share that with the people you eat with. Like, just think of one thing you're thankful for. I remembered in working on this that in college, I began my freshman year with a person I had grown up with, and she and I were from the same youth group. And we had been challenged, like, if you're going to go in this next season of life and you're going to be in college, like, like, don't forget to count your blessings. And so we had this, like, gift bag, and we called it Bob. It was our bag of blessings. And we tried to write down on little slips of paper just things that we were thankful for at least once a week and put it in the bag. So maybe you have a bag or a list or a journal or a whiteboard in your house. Just something where you can write things down because you think you know your things you're grateful for, but somehow just seeing it there and written. And when you have those challenging days and hard days and awful heartache. It's nice to just read through. It's nice to just remember. And maybe another thing you could do is to show gratitude by staying connected and in relationship with others. If you see something that someone gave to you, maybe you think to text them that day. Just say hi. It's not like you have to say like, thank you for giving me this. It's just it was just a reminder. Let, let something that somebody gave you be that physical reminder to check in, to keep building that relationship, to keep loving and sharing. And hopefully, hopefully most of all, we can show gratitude to the God who made us. We get to do that every week when we sing, 
when we come together, when we volunteer to teach kids, it's, it's just that gratitude. It's just that paying forward. It's that loving, sharing, giving thanks. And I hope that you're able to communicate that. Maybe sometime this year, you're able to have a conversation with someone and share just a little bit more about what Jesus means to your life. It can help them hopefully take a step of faith themselves. We're going to close our time with communion. And we do it in a way that we eat and we drink and that's tactile and taste and smell things. But it really is a time of gratitude to remember everything Jesus lived for and to remember the rescue, the redemption, the sacrificial life he lived and that he did it for us. So we're going we're gonna to close in prayer and then come down when you're ready and experience a time of gratitude in our communion service together. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for healing even when you didn't get thanked. Uh, thank you for showing us gratitude in the way you lived your life and always thanking the Father throughout your days. And Lord, we just ask you to remind us when we forget, when we're so human and forgetful and we get busy and we, we stop. Help us to just remember that we aren't here on our own, that you made us and you put people in our lives who've made a difference for us. Thank you for the generations who have gone before us and the choices that they made that make us who we are today. Help us to live a life expressing gratitude in your honor this week. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.